This podcast contains graphic descriptions that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Now, with that being said, welcome to the Mortal Musings podcast. Right, let's do this. So, uh, I, I came across something today. Okay. I was going through my phone book in my phone. That's usually where my phone book is. Uh, and I was deleting numbers what and spoke to him in like four years. And I came across um, a contact and I thought this would be a good way to start an episode because I'd love to get listeners to interact with us and tell us theirs. So in my phone book, there was one that stood out. The name was Thief. And when I checked the area code for the number, it's in Pakistan. Okay. I have no idea who it is in Pakistan. I have have no idea who has crossed me in Pakistan, who I called Thief. So first off, I want to know if you have any. But second, I'll put up a post in our Facebook group. And I want listeners, if they have any good ones, to let me know. Because I know some people do. They'll have like Guy in Bar, Mm. you know. So I, I want to hear some good ones. Do you do you have any in your phone? No, I, I don't do that. I, I like keep my phone book very like, I need this number for that. You know what I mean? Like it's a literal contact I need for something. Whether it's family, friends or like someone at work, I might need contact. So, so you don't you don't have any weird no, ones? No, I'm to the point. I need this contact for X, Y and Z. You're a mess. Like your phone book is a train wreck. Uh, other than thief? I bet if I looked through your phone book, I'd be like, what do you need this number for? Like, who is this? And I bet you'd be like, I'll be I don't know. I'll be able or to tell you who I met is. them six years ago. Once. I, I, I'll be able to tell, yeah, but I'll be able to tell you who they are. This but that doesn't mean you need thief, them. Thief? I don't know who thief yeah, But it is. doesn't mean you need them. You don't need the number anymore. I wonder what they stole off me. I don't know. Well, they crossed me. Right, well, would you like to get it? <laughs> would you like to get into the episode? Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Gina. And together we are Men's Wellness Theatre. Or at least we try. Uh, We try to survive it. (laughs) We're the hosts of The Worst, a podcast where I deep dive horrible subjects and tell the story to Gina. And I tell terrible, tasteless jokes to kind of break up the awful, soul-crushing details that you bring us. I try and you try, and that's what makes it great. Yeah, I mean, stop being upset. We are trying our best. And honestly, we're weird people. We find this makes it a little more palatable to get through the horrible details of some of the worst true crime. Yeah, because otherwise, I just want to take an ice pick to my own eardrums. I can't do it anymore. No. So if you're the type of person who finds, you know, Weekend at Bernie's the most hilarious movie ever, we might be up your alley. Give us a try. Absolutely. Just look for Mental Illness Theater on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you happen to use for podcasts. Thanks for listening, and bye. Bye. Yeah, uh, so who is it today? You know who it is today. Do I? Yes, you do. Richard Speck. It's part two of oh, Richard yeah, Speck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. My God. I'm sorry. So... Like I said, it's part two of Richard Speck, and when we last left... Can I we... recap him? Okay. Can I attempt at recapping yeah, him? Yeah, go on. Right, don't, don't quote me 
where he moved to. Right. So he was an alcoholic by the age of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, he moved. His his father died. Yes. His mum remarried mm-hmm. to a piece of shit. Yeah. And when when he was there, they moved 10 times in 12 years. Yes. Um, he, he got done for a burglary and fraud. Forgery. Forgery. He was smacking quite a few people about. He did like a bar fight. Um, his sister put him up about 20 times <laughs> and even she got sick of him and kicked him out. I think, I think that's covered it. Oh, no, no, no. The, 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 the woman as well. Uh, she was hit so hard in the, in the stomach, it killed her. Yeah, she took a blow to the abdomen and it ruptured her liver. Yeah. And then he got, he got a job, but then he had to have his appendix out. Um. Okay, so in the last episode, <laughs> no, just kidding. But yeah, like you said, he, um, quite a few different charges, uh, like you said, burglary, forgery. Uh, he quite liked smoking, drinking and fighting. He had been married. Quite liked child. smoking. I'm just saying that's just what you say, isn't it? Smoking, drinking and fighting. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he he bounced all over the gaff. He was back and forth, back and forth, constantly coming back to his sister and she was helping him out. Yeah. And towards the end of the episode, we talked about how he finally outstayed his welcome at his sister Martha's home. And how he had also received an assignment, um, but when he got there, spot had been taken. Yeah. So he went back to the NMU, and by this time it was closed. That's yeah. where he kind of left off. Uh, he didn't have enough money for accommodation, so he also slept in an unfinished house that he found. Yeah. Now, continuing on from that, it was the next day on the 13th of July. With all of that and the disappointment of travelling for the job, not being there, coming back, Richard was now becoming very frustrated. He again checked in at the NMU and you know, he's pissed off after being sent for a job that wasn't even available. Yeah. So Martha and Jean, the saints, yeah. from the sounds of it, <laughs> yeah. they met up with Richard and they talked for about half an hour and Martha gave Richard $25. She tied him over for a bit. Okay. And like I said, he was getting frustrated. He was sick of waiting around at the NMU. So he just walked off and he checked into the shipyard inn and that was another rooming house. Now, Richard would spend the rest of the day drinking in a nearby bar before meeting a 53-year-old woman named Ella May Hooper. And she had been drinking at the same bar as Richard. Now, this encounter took a turn when Richard decided to hold her at knife point and after that he brought her back to his room at the shipyard inn. While there, he raped her and also stole her twenty-two caliber pistol. Ah, so now he's moved on from knives. Oh yeah, he's up the ante a little bit. Yeah. So, after committing that horrific crime, he, uh, he left to go get some dinner, followed by some more drinking. Left so, to get some dinner? Yeah, he get some dinner. I mean, he had to lie in his stomach for all the drinking he was going to be doing. And had already done. <laughs> He needs something to soak it up, a little bit of bread or something, you know. (laughs) So as he left that evening, he was dressed in all black 
and he was now armed with LMA's pistol as well as a switchblade. He drank until about 20 past 10 that night and then just went for a walk and he walked for about a mile and a half until he reached a townhouse in the neighbourhood of Jeffrey Manor. Now this townhouse was home to eight student nurses and their names were Gloria Davy, age 22, Patricia Matusek, age 20, Nina Jo Smale, age 24, Pamela Wilkening, age 20, Suzanne Farris, age 21, Mary Ann Jordan, age 20, Marlita Margulo, 23, and Valentina Payson, age 23. And Merlita and Valentina, they were exchange nurses from the Philippines. Okay. Now, as Richard approached this townhouse, he decided to enter the building. And what he did when he got inside their accommodation was he would round up all the women and he decided to keep them held up in one room. He bound their wrists behind their back with strips of torn up bed sheets. And over the course of the night, Richard would pick a victim, one at a time, guide them out of the room, where he would either strangle or stab them to death. Now, this situation lasted for hours with a roughly 20 to 30 minute interval between each victim. Wait, when you say between each victim, do you mean he'd spend half an hour with each one individually or he'd take them away? knife him and then he'd... he'd yeah, um, so he would select a victim, guide yeah. them out and then after he had killed them he would take, you know 20-30 minutes to, I'm guessing, maybe regroup, gather himself before he went back in For, that's how I okay. imagined it I didn't know if he meant he was enjoying it he was, he, he was taking 20-30 minutes to kill them no okay I, I don't I don't think so. It said intervals in between each victim. Yeah. Now, can you just imagine how terrifying that must have been? You're you're sat in that room and you're slowly watching and waiting as the number of people in the room dwindles. It's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Now, some of the women were not actually home when this ordeal started. They arrived home in the middle of his rampage. Suzanne Farris arrived first. And as she walked through the hallway to her room, Richard approached her and stabbed her to death. Can you imagine coming home to it? It's absolutely horrifying. Well, they could have just been bodies. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And it's kind of like a, you know, say she went out with her friends or something. The difference between if she had maybe decided to, oh, actually, you know, it's getting late, I'll stay over tonight. Yeah. And then actually, I better go home. I've got to get up tomorrow to go to work or whatever. Yeah. You know. Fucking hell. The second woman to arrive home was Mary Ann Jordan. Richard also stabbed her as she entered the dorm. Sorry. I I don't know if I misheard or anything. Is there a reason why he picked this house? Or was it just a random... Now, I'm not 100% sure. Um, But his sister was a nurse. So maybe he knew that that townhouse... Yeah houses x amount of student nurses i know there's you know this amount of women maybe there's not men he was present also or seeing something. a nurse where, oh no, no she was friendly to he it. was yeah he was friends with the nurse yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't know if it is a like a relevant connection or not yeah. but a lot of nurses in the story yeah 
Now, Richard's final victim was 22-year-old Gloria Davy. She had also arrived home late and Richard would go on to rape and then strangle her to death. And she was the only victim who was raped. I don't know why that was. If that was a last minute decision or if he maybe had planned well, that's his the, final victim was the also. O- the other question I was going to ask is, did he ever say why some were stabbed and some were strangled? I don't think so. He wasn't a big fan of the press. He didn't, uh, he didn't seem to want to talk a huge amount. No, I mean, even in, in court. No, I, I didn't see anything about that. There was a gag order placed. Oh, okay. So. Now, something that Richard didn't realise was that there was another woman still in the house. Cora Amuro had spent the night hiding underneath a bed. And Cora would later say that her friends did not scream as they were let out, but that she did hear their muffled cries. She told investigators that the American girls didn't think that Richard was going to hurt them. They all thought that, you know, as long as we all stay calm, he'll remain calm. Yeah. And it's unsure whether Richard, you know, simply lost count or he was just unaware that a ninth woman was spending the night there. Yeah, so that maybe, maybe it wasn't a targeted house then. He didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank God, you know, Cora survived. You, you've got to remember, this went on for hours. Mm-hmm. She heard it all. Yeah, it was absolutely horrifying ordeal for her. But luckily she stayed hidden until nearly 6am and she survived yeah. this horrific attack. See, that's the, I, I've, I've often thought of this when, you know, I've been watching a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Say if you're hiding under the bed, you can hear shit going on. Yeah. And then it goes quiet. How long do you lay there for? When are you confident enough? Right, they've gone. That's exactly what I thought when I was researching this case. Like, you'd be so frozen, like, you don't dare move. Yeah. How Do you literally just get to a point where you're like, right, I have to try and do something? Or are yeah. you waiting till you hear a door close and think, right, I think that's him gone? Or, you know. Yeah. Like, I suppose, like, I, I know this is in the 60s, but that's one good thing about us having mobile phones. You've always yeah. got it on you. Unless it rings while you're hiding. Yeah. Oof. But no, yeah, if you're laid under the bed, you, you don't have to get up from under the bed now. Yeah. Yeah. And just ring 999 or 911 um, and just stay there until the police are there. Yeah. Well, when she herself did finally feel it was safe enough to leave her hiding spot, she ran for the nearest window and she screamed, they are all dead. My friends are all dead. Oh God, I'm the only one alive. Fucking heavy, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking hell. So when police arrived, they were able to recover fingerprints and, of course, they matched Richard. Only two days later, Richard was identified. And he was identified by a man by the name of Claude Lunsford. He had recognised the face in the police sketch he had seen printed in the newspaper. Now, he was able to identify Richard because he had previously spent an evening drinking with Richard at the Star Hotel. And he called the police, but his call went unanswered. What? Yeah. The call was never picked up, but records show that he did, in fact, make the call. Do you mean they didn't fucking answer? I, I don't know. Were they, were they short-staffed? Was no one at the phones? I, I don't know. But like I said, records did show that he, he had made the call. What? When did 911 become a thing? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's... I think it's 
relatively recent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so before then, it'd just be ring each individual police I, station. I, yeah, I think you just ring the police station, yeah. After this, Richard attempted suicide in that hotel. And Richard would then be taken to the Cook County Hospital. And on the 17th of July, Dr. Leroy Smith recognised Richard along with his tattoo that read, Born to Raise Hell. And he was able to identify because they had printed it in the paper previously. Born to Raise Hell. Yeah. He's a fucking... Clever prick. <laughs> like... He's so tough. <laughs> the police were called again and Richard was arrested. Before Richard went to trial, the judge wanted to clarify on whether Richard was competent to stand trial. A panel consisting of six physicians, three chosen by the prosecution and three by the defence, were brought in to determine his mental state. Okay. The conclusion of their report was that Richard was competent to stand trial, but that he was not sane at the time of the murders. What? Well, because he was pissed? I don't People can have, like, temporary psychotic breaks and shit like that. Oh, like red mist. Yeah, that, that type red. of thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think that's... I don't think I've ever heard that before in a trial. I He, he saw red, so he um, wasn't sane. Gary Pluchet. They They said that he was in a temporary psychotic state. Oh, yeah. So also while awaiting his trial, Richard would go to therapy twice a week. And the summation of his therapy was depression, anxiety, guilt and shame, but also a deep love for his family. I mean, I bet it was. I mean, Martha was fucking great to him. (laughs) It was also noted that Richard had an obsessive compulsive personality and a Madonna whore attitude towards women. The psychiatrist that was treating Richard stated that he viewed women as good and pure, saintly even, until he felt as though they had betrayed him. In what way? What, like, give me an example. I I don't know, was it literally like, you've just made my list? Or was it like, you've turned me down, therefore you're a bitch? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? So Richard was also diagnosed with organic brain syndrome and that was as a result of cerebral injuries earlier in his life. And that's where the whole insane at the time of the crime came in because of the effects of drug and alcohol use paired with the organic brain syndrome. Yeah, I thought I thought you was going to say, you, you know, it's from all the drunken brawls. He's took too many hits to the head. Yeah, I think um, the like brain damage is actually from like when he was a child as far as I remember. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it didn't help now. <laughs> he fucking smacks the snot. But yeah. So the whole thing about organic brain syndrome is that it's apparently a very outdated term. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I, I didn't know what the fuck that meant. So, Another word for like concussion? Yes. Um. So basically, like I said, I didn't really know. So I tried to find out exactly what was meant by that. And... This is what I found. I thought it would be better to hear it directly from a doctor, a quote from a doctor, than me try. (laughs) So, organic brain syndrome is an older term that these days is more commonly referred to as neurocognitive disorder. 
It refers to the fact that a disease, illness, condition or injury is having an adverse effect on an individual's mental abilities and cognition. Conditions associated with neurocognitive disorder include traumatic brain injury, stroke, cardiovascular disorders, metabolic diseases, hormonal disorders, exposure to heavy metals, poisoning, drug and alcohol related conditions, short-lived or chronic infection and chronic low oxygen. You can breathe now. The term also covers diseases that cause a progressive loss of structure or function of neurons in the brain, such as Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease. In rare cases, the effects of cancer or cancer treatments can lead to neurocognitive disorder. So it's basically anything in the ear. Yeah, it was like a very broad spectrum. It was just like, oh, they got that. There's something wrong with their brain. So it's this. Yeah. Because as soon as I read that, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I've never heard that before. Yeah. It, it can mean... Anything. Anything wrong. So really, if yeah. it's a problem in in your ear... In your ear, yeah. It's... Come on, there's no need for that. <laughs> I, I could sit here and take the piss out of your accent, but I don't. I have more yeah. respect. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I don't know why. I just... I, I feel like you just kicked me in the bollocks. So the psychiatrist that was treating Richard, he did not testify on behalf of the defence or the prosecution. And the reason being was that he was writing a book about Richard and, you know, it just, it didn't seem appropriate for someone who could potentially gain financially to be involved in the trial, which I agree with. Yeah, yeah. So Richard had actually confessed to the murders to Dr. Leroy Smith while at the Cook County Hospital. But Dr. Leroy Smith did not testify, and the reason for that was the confessions made by Richard were while he was under sedation. Ah, okay. That's fair, I suppose. Yeah. So on the 3rd of April, 1967, the trial began. And, And I think we said earlier, there was a gag order placed on the press for this trial. Now, while in court, Cora, the only survivor of that night, was asked if she could identify the killer. Cora got up from her seat, walked over to Richard, she stood directly in front of him, pointed her finger at him so close that she was nearly touching him and said, this is the man. Good lass. I know. <laughs> Good lass. No, that no, no. man. No, yeah, no, it takes yeah. a lot of courage yeah. to be able to do that. Like, that must have been terrifying. Because you, you, you hear a lot of uh, victims in crimes they're like, I don't want to go near him. I don't want to look at him. Yeah. I don't want to... Which I think we could all understand. But yeah, so fair play to her. Yeah. She was obviously doing it for all the roommates. Yeah. Well, obviously that's what she's doing it for. Like, ah, she's just doing it for the crack. Fucking take Shits that and giggles. Out. I'll fucking delete that. <laughs> so on the 15th of April, after only 49 minutes of deliberation, the jury found Richard guilty and recommended the death penalty. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with death penalty for this one. Well, it's not only that, like, even if you don't even think about the mass murder, his whole life, like, fuck. Yeah, he's a repeat offender. And it's not just like, you know, non-violent crimes. He, Attacked with a knife. He was, he was vicious. Yeah. Vicious little shit. On the 5th of June, the judge sentenced Richard to death in the electric chair but also granted an immediate stay pending an automatic appeal. 
The Illinois Supreme Court upheld his conviction and death sentence on the 22nd of November 1968. But on the 18th of June 1971, Richard's death sentence was overturned. And the reason being was that more than 250 potential jurors were excluded from his jury because of their personal or religious beliefs against capital punishment. They're fucking sly bastards there. Yeah, yeah. On the 21st of November 1972, Richard was resentenced. And his new sentence was 400 to 1,200 years in prison, which is eight consecutive sentences. Uh, that was then reduced to between 100 and 300 years. Why was it reduced? I, I don't know. Now, at his first parole hearing in 1976, it only took them... Sorry. It only took them seven minutes to deny parole. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. They're like, the fuck you are. He was also denied at six subsequent hearings in 77, 78, 81, 84, 87, and 1990. I sound like I'm reading the numbers for the uh, lot of there, don't I? <laughs> yeah. No, but like, um, why was he even trying to go for parole? Was he pissed? <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> you've got no hope. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he was like, "Well, I got a shot at it, might as well." I I don't know. Like I I think it's it's unreal, but someone for that sort of crime can even go up for parole. He just entered a home and slaughtered all these young women. Yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be considered. The at only all. thing going for him, well, it's not really going for him, was it? it could it still be classed as premeditated? I don't... Well, okay. So, what if he had never done anything before? He had no priors. Yeah. And he did this. I'd still say, fucking lock him up. Like, Jesus, we yeah. can't have him on the street. Yeah. But the fact that he has a history of offending and violent offences at that. To women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, I don't understand it, but there you go. So, a little bit about Richard's time spent in prison. During his time at the Stateville Correctional Centre, Richard was described as a loner. He spent his time listening to music and he also kept a stamp collection. It's good to have a hobby. Nothing wrong with that. Do, do, we, uh, do we tell the listeners my collection? Ugh. There's more people who do it than you think. I, I, I have a collection. It's not stamps. It's monster energy cans. I have one of... Well, not one of each, because I can't get them all. But I've got some rare ones, aren't there? You know, there's a part of me that wants to be like, you know, God bless if that makes you happy, but it also just annoys me. Yeah, you were like, you got a cabinet of cans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could get it, like, do you know if you cut it, like, because you said you liked the design, you liked the logo. Say if you cut them, flattened them, and made, like, like a collage of it or something. I, I could get it a bit more, but it's just, it's loads of cans. It's just taking up space. I don't get it. Me and you both have another collection. Actually, I completely forgot about that. Playing cards. Playing cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of... I like that because there's so many different types and they're also useful if you wanted to. But you, know. you don't want to open them. No, but you know, like some packs you do. Like, obviously, like you might buy one just purely to have or display. Yeah, like if, if they're bringing a deck out and it's limited edition, I'll buy two. But once you've drank so a can... One. But once you've drank a can of Monster, it's gone. Like, it's not like, it's, it's just a can now. Well, the can hasn't. <laughs> so while he was in prison, 
So while he was in prison, he was given the nickname Birdman. And that was because he kept a pair of sparrows that had flown into his cell. And, you know, it just sounds like he was kind of more quiet and just getting on with it, yeah? Yeah. Not completely. He did get up to a uh, bit of mischief. He was often found to have had drugs or moonshine. So he's still drinking? He's still drinking. I can't spec. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do it at some point during this episode. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't give a fuck. You know, he, he said, how am I going to get in trouble? I'm here for 1,200 years. Right, to be honest, if I was in for life and I was going to be serving life. It's a fair point. What are you going to do? From his standpoint, it's like, nah. It's like, it's literally like, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. The only other thing you can do to me is end it quicker by execution. Yeah. Which he now didn't have. Yeah. The warden described Richard as, quote, a big nothing doing time. Fucking hell. There's no need to come at him like that, was there? Fucking kick him while he's <laughs> down. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. A big nothing. A big nothing. <laughs> that is a brilliant insult. It's so simple. You see you. You big nothing, yeah. You big nothing, yeah. So another incident that apparently happened, John E. Douglas of the FBI's Behavioural Science Unit mentions in his book, um, this is something that was reported to have happened during his time in prison and involved one of Richard's sparrows. So Richard had nursed this bird back to health. You know, it, it seems like it was, it was his pet. And one day a guard told Richard that pets were not allowed. So in response to this, Richard simply said, I can't have it. And then proceeded to walk over to a fan and he threw the bird into the fan. For fuck's sake. Well, I mean, that's the guard's thing. He's like shocked and he's like, what the fuck have I just witnessed? And he said to Richard, I thought you liked that bird. Richard replied with, if I can't have it, no one can. I mean, calm the fuck <laughs> down, Richard. I think this is the first time I'm fucking speechless. I don't, you can't spec. I don't know what to fucking say. Like, like, anyone, like picture it that. It yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. Anyone who has the logic of, if I can't have it, no one can type thing. It's like, all right, just fucking relax. That poor spiral. Yeah. But there you go. That, that's just Richard. That's Richie for well, you. Was this in front of other prisoners? I, I assume so. I mean, at least in front of the uh, guard. I can say the other prisoners would be like, I'm not fucking about with him. No. Fuck that. Fucking hell. What a, like, what a dickhead. No, like, that is such a childish thing to do. Yeah. Like a childish mentality. Yeah. What a knob. <laughs> so I think I mentioned this earlier, but... um. Richard did not like the press. Not about it. But he did grant an interview in 1978. And for this, he was interviewed by Bob Green for the Chicago Tribune. During this interview, he said he thought he'd be out of prison between now and the year 2000. He's, he's, he's nothing if not optimistic, is Richard. Well, he's a big nothing. <laughs> Allegedly. Green asked if Richard saw himself in the same leagues as celebrity killers like John Dillinger, to which Richard replied, I'm not like Dillinger or anybody else. I'm freakish. Right. I fuck like I, I despise that term. 
celebrity killer. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a a weird way to word it. Yeah. Like do you do you see yourself in the same leagues as higher profile or something but well known? celebrity is if yeah, like well publicized. Yeah. But celebrity just kind why of sounds ca- a bit yeah. gross. Why are you calling him a celebrity? Yeah. That's that's fucking disgusting. Like yeah. imagine uh, uh, sorry, um, imagine this term. Right so he he, he, he raped women. So do you uh, compare yourself to celebrity rapists? Like, yeah, it sounds fucking gross. Yeah, no, it really does. Now, during this interview, Richard, for the first time, publicly confessed to the murders. And while talking about the night of the murders, Richard said he had no feelings. But he did say that he had changed. Quote, I had no feelings at all that night. They said there was blood all over the place. I can't remember. It felt like nothing. I'm sorry as hell for those girls and for their families and for me. If I had to do it over again, it would be a simple home burglary. See, I know, I know he's apologising, but to hear him Fuck say off. that, to hear him say that, I felt nothing. Yeah. Now, look, I, I'm someone who believes you have to hear from people who've done these things. We have to be able to learn and yeah. understand why they think that way, but. It is horrible to hear. I felt nothing. Yeah, they said there was blood everywhere. Yeah, they said I did this. They yeah. said that happened. But ugh, like, what do you mean? If you're someone who has empathy, it's very hard to understand how someone can say that. Yeah. So moving on to December of 1991, Richard complained of having severe chest pains. He was then transported to Silver Cross Hospital. Richard would die on the morning of the 5th of December, just one day short of his 50th birthday. A spokesperson for the Illinois Department of Corrections said that Richard was a, quote, chain smoker and had poor eating habits. The coroner said, an enlarged heart, emphysema and clogged arteries most likely contributed to his heart attack. Which, you know, he was pretty young. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's a lot of fucking substance abuse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a devil for it. He liked to party. Like, don't forget, he was drinking moonshine in fucking prison. And and drugs in prison as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about the drugs. But moonshine's lethal. Yeah, it's it's like um, rocket fuel, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, with Richard now gone, his remains were cremated. This was done because his sister was worried that, had he been buried, his grave would be desecrated. So she thought cremation would be the best option and... I think she was right. Yeah. No, definitely. Now, one last thing about Richard. Well, he can't have done anything else. No, no. This happened after his death. Um, In May 1996, news anchor Bill Curtis received videotapes that had been made at the Stateville Correctional Centre back in 88. Okay. Now, they'd been sent anonymously. In these videotapes, Richard can be seen wearing silk knickers and it also looks as though he developed breast tissue and that was allegedly from smuggled hormone treatments. There was also drug use in the video and at one point Richard goes on to perform oral sex on another inmate. An inmate off camera asks Richard if he had killed the nurses and he responds with, sure I did, and followed up with, it just wasn't their night. What a wanker. Yeah, piece of shit. That's fucking disgusting. 
Well, if you if you want me to piss you off a little bit more. Also during the video, Richard can be heard saying, if only they knew how much fun I was having, they'd turn me loose. Yeah. And, um... Do you know what, right, do you know what's just popped into my head what's really annoyed me now? Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't executed, and he was in and out of prison, and he was a piece of shit all of his life, and Joseph Arady didn't do nothing. Yeah. And he was gassed. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, that's that's the case of Richard Speck. But before we finish up, um, I have a few quotes. So one of the quotes is from William J. Martin, and he was the prosecutor who obtained the conviction of Richard Speck in the 1967 trial. He said, It was a kind of an end to our innocence about how safe everybody was anywhere. He wasn't a guy in a tower with a rapid-fire weapon. He took them one at a time, spent at least half an hour alone with each victim, ritualistically washed his hands, came back and got another victim. And I don't think you can put it better than that. So I just have a few quotes uh, about each of the victims. And this was taken from an article in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, it was really good and it was nice to see some dedication to the victims. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm just taking a little bit from it, but if you want to read a bit more, go there. It was, it was nice to see that article. So for Nina, quiet, but with a good sense of humour. She loved cats, Elvis and the colour pink. And she was dedicated to being a caregiver. Pat, sweet, assertive, funny, and full of life. Pamela, she was described as being quiet, studious, and decisive. Now, Mary, she had a younger brother who had Down syndrome, and it was said that she was very connected with him, and they said it was in a unique way. Her sister Susan said she was great with him, always very playful and very compassionate. Billy loved her tremendously. She also said about her sister she had a wicked sense of Irish humour. Is that a thing? The Irish are great. We're very funny. I don't think any humour is better than the British. Fuck off. Only fools and horses. Alvida's in pet. You're you're naming shows. British shows. Yeah, but if you were to compare just based off of television shows, the UK have a much bigger budget. Like they have much bigger networks than the Irish do. So that's that's yeah, an outrageous then, statement to yeah, make. Yeah, all right. But if you go off that. America, their their networks are bigger than the UK, and what's America got to do with it? British humor is better than American humor. But we're not Ar- Irish. We're talking about Irish here. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying. British, Why are you trying to turn it into a competition? British humor is the best humor. Absolutely not. I refute this. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want this turning into a. I thought that know, was a well-known thing. Well, everyone knew this. I'm not saying the Brits aren't funny, right? I'm I'm sure you're hilarious. I'm very happy for you. But it's it's known that the like the Irish are fucking funny, we're quick witted, we have a fucking good sense of humour. No, you 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 do. I'm winding you up. Look, you know, I wasn't looking for a fight, but So for Suzanne, her brother John said, You know, older sisters take care of you, and I always felt taken care of. You're afraid in life, and here's someone who was comforting you. So another thing her brother John said about her was that at one point he had ran into an old friend of hers and she had, you know, they got to talking about Suzanne. Yeah. And 
she had told him about how when they were back in high school, she she wasn't able to afford a prom dress. So Suzanne made one for her. So Valentina, she was from the Philippines, um, so she would often write home. And in some of her letters, she would write about how she was sending money home to her family. You know, she wanted to make sure they were taken care of, make sure they keep their house fixed up and all those type of things. Yeah. She would also mention about how terrible she thought the weather was in Chicago. And she mentioned about how she thought the work was easier than in the Philippines, but that the patients were, quote, big as water buffalo. Fuck. (laughs) So she also had a bit of a sense of humor as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Merlita. She was considered quiet, shy, hardworking, efficient, pretty, and blessed with a rich singing voice. I was about to say, this sounds like you. And then it got to the the singing singing voice. voice. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, that's gone to shit. It's gone to shit. It's gone to the dogs. (laughs) Gloria. In her sister's words, Gloria was driven, independent, intelligent, headstrong, poised, creative, and snippy when she didn't like what you were doing. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, there's Cora, the sole survivor. And this was from a different article in 2016. And, you know, at that point she was age 73. Yeah. And Cora is said to be a very happy person who enjoys life and laughs a lot. Like, which, you know, is lovely to hear. Although she did say, even after all these years, she still has nightmares about Richard Speck. Understandably. She did, though, reportedly tell her friends, you were surprised I survived. I come from the place where they make Billasong which is like butterfly knives. I hope I pronounced that right. I think that's what it's called. And she says, why would you be surprised? So she's, again, a bit of sense of humour again, fair folks to her. So is is she still still going or? Uh, I think she was. Like I said, that was from 2016. Um, As far as I know, she's still alive, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But then that's, that's the story and that's... That's a little bit about the victims. You know, a lot of them seem to um, be incredibly compassionate or, you know, funny, great sense of humor, which, you know, not surprising with them being nurses. They're going to need all of those different skill sets to deal with different people. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't think I've said this at the end of any of our episodes yet, but good riddance to him. Like... Prick. Evil bastard. Like, he, he wasn't a good person. I was getting that throughout, you know, with everything he was doing but it's that statement he fucking said in the recording it's the utter disregard for like yeah i did this Meh. like this is why when you hear him apologizing and stuff you can never believe him he was issuing apologies to the victim's families yeah and then it's come out but he said that did he say that made me loose what he said something like they made me loose he said no he said, if only they knew how much fun I was having, they'd turn me loose. Like, I'm having such a great time in prison, we're all having the crack. Yeah. Inconsiderate no. arsehole. No, it was just, it was, it was everything he was saying at the end. Disgusting prick. So, I think we'll get away from that and move on to an oddity. Yeah, we need a really light-hearted one, I think. Uh, uh, light-hearted. Oh. It's, it's a quick one. Okay. It's a quick, but it's fucking gross. Okay. I'm I'm not happy about this one. Brilliant. The ponytail snatcher. So there's this guy in Portland, Oregon, 
who earned the name the Trimet Barber. And what he would do was he would cut women's hair while they sat unsuspectedly on public transport. Now, what the fuck? Right, you kind of think, you know, in one way, oh, it's not so bad. It's not like harming you too bad, but it's still traumatic to have someone do something like that to you. Well, how long does it take you to grow out a ponytail? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, well, that's the thing. Your hair is going to grow again, but still, it's that whole thing of like, that's part of me, you know. Um, and when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's, that's bad. Mm-hmm. And then it got worse the more I read about the guy. He, he was also known to glue their hair. Um, or masturbate into their hair. How? What? How do I... He would how masturbate would, into their hair. How would one do this? I wasn't there. Did you mean wrap the ponytail around? No, masturbate into their hair. Like he would be masturbating While it's still on into their head. Their, uh, yeah, I'm guessing he'd be sat behind them doing this. Why are you telling me this? Well, <laughs> I didn't know that. I heard about this guy who cuts off women's ponytails. And I was like, Oh, that might be kind of like a, not a funny one, but you know, kind of a, like said, a more lighthearted, not as heavy thing. Yeah. And then I, I read more about him and then I heard about the masturbating engine. I was like, all oh, right, that's, that's, yeah. Can we just discuss what lighthearted means? <laughs> like for fuck's sake. It- he was convicted of previous public transport related crimes and he had received bans, but this time he received a lifetime ban from the TriMet. It's also led the TriMet to change their policies. Offenders of serious physical offence will receive a six-month ban. How's that grab you? What, what else do you want them to do? Lock him up. It's, it's coming on people's no, heads. No, TriMet is like the public transport system. Yeah. They can't lock you up. All they can do is report you. And... So he never got locked up for this? No, he did. He, he, he was, he's done some other shit. No, but for coming on people's heads? Yeah, no, he, he did... <laughs> He's been convicted of crimes and previous crimes. Okay. But yeah, that that's that's the public transport system. They they can't lock you up. They can just No, and I, I know that. But what's wrong? It's just well, right, what I was meaning is I know it's on the transport system, but if you was on the transport system and you killed someone, doesn't mean you're not going to get locked up for it. Because it's on the track. Like, I'm not saying the transport system yeah. has to lock them up. No, no, but you took issue when I said six month ban. You're like, oh, six month ban. Yeah, six month ban. The f- like, what? What do you want? Lifetime ban? Yes. Okay. Well, this guy received one, so okay. you're fine. Very <laughs> sad about this. Like you, you've never I'm even never been. Him a letter. You, you've never even been to Portland, Oregon. I don't think you've. Any, I never will. You, <laughs> I never fucking will now. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was gonna say you've never like brought up any intention to go there, but there you go. Never will. Yeah, never will. They've crossed me now. Yeah. I just made my list. No fly list. So you tell us a horrible case like that, and then a bloke who comes on people's heads. <laughs> like for fuck's sake. I thought it would be a little bit lighter and funnier, but I think I've I've just upset myself more. Yes. This is nearly as no, it's actually it's not near no well. No, it, it's pretty bad doing that into someone's hair. This is, uh, it reminds me of a case that um, was on World's Dumbest Criminals. With Tara. Yes. Yeah. And this guy was going around um, ejaculating on unsuspecting women. And I was very upset listening to this episode. I was getting traumatised to 
fuck. Horrible. Yeah, her episodes are um, supposed to be like... She's very funny. She's not brilliant. Not as severe. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's brilliant and they're kind of like, okay, but it's exactly what I just said. I, I actually, was trying to do something lighter hearted and I've just ended up upsetting myself. I actually recommended Tara's podcast to you because I was like, look, if you're ever wanting to take a break from heavy shit, heavy cases, and you want something a bit more lighthearted, Tara, Tara's podcast. I and was then in- I, I was I was working in another room and I came up and you went, I'm traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was listening to her speak and I was just like, uh, like it was just so What, the Aussie accent? (laughs) (laughs) Tara is, she's hilarious. She's, she's lovely. Like, and she really knows what she's doing podcast wise. Yeah. Go, go check out her podcast. World's Dumbest Criminals. It's brilliant. Actually, I don't want to be annoying and keep doing shout outs. But we have another shout out to do. But this one, this this little fucker, right? Uh, so his name is Adam and he has a podcast called UK True Crime Podcast. And I thought his name was Jeff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll call him Jeff, right? <laughs> Everyone's going to realise why. Yeah, we'll call him Jeff. He, he uh, mentioned us on his podcast. We appreciate that. We'll always appreciate that. With your hosts, Thomas and Kate. Who the fuck is Thomas and Kate? Like, it's not as if he said Niall and... Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Thomas and Kate. And when I messaged him and I said, thank you so much for the shout out, means a lot. Who's Thomas and Kate? <laughs> His response was something like, did I? <laughs> <laughs> who is Thomas and I want to know who Thomas and Kate is. I would love to know who Thomas and Kate is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, with with that being said, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We've been your hosts, Thomas and Kate. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Yeah. We'll change your names to Thomas and Kate. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for the Richard Speck. I'm glad that's over. Um, I'm not thanking you for that oddity. That, <laughs> that was just fucking horrific. You could have picked something a bit more light-hearted to go after that You know what? I feel like someone like Tara will appreciate it. You know, if you don't appreciate me, Tara will. So, yeah. Right. Well, uh, thanks for that. Thank you so much for listening. Find us on Patreon, TikTok, Facebook and Instagram. If you have a case suggestion or maybe even your own story, email us at mortalmusingspodcast at gmail.com.